Yes, everyone ready? Sure. I'm all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how this song goes? Yeah. I'm all the way up. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. Inside about technology and culture and science and emotions, the top shelf liquor brand called Scissor Vodka. Is it top shelf? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, it like, feels, like feels kind of well to me behind like the the lock box thing, or just you just have to reach up really high. You have to be. A that's it's just a premium spirit. It's it's see I, I the lock know, I box thing vodka, is like too much. Like I'm not. I'm it's a, man a vodka of the people, for the people. But, it should but, be like for, it premium, expensive, and for everybody. Yeah, yeah premium, cut, premium, cut everybody. Cut through the night. Cut through the night <laughs> implies some sort of ease of use and accessibility. No, it. it implies like <laughs> you're dressed up, you're feeling good, you're at the club, cutting through the night. Right, cool. You, you get through. You get you get around the line. You know, you wait two minutes for an Uber, not fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know how I know that I'm old. Yeah. You said club, and it made me think of um, Coach Z from Hobstar. <laughs> Unable to say words that end in OB and they always end in RB, Jarb. Yeah. Homestar yeah. Runner was amazing. The, the, mm-hmm. Was it the brothers Chaps? Chapman mm-hmm. brothers? Yeah, that's right. I saw uh, them live at South by Southwest. So this is just a throwback episode. Anyway, look, yeah. here is the situation. I'm Neil Patel. Paul Miller's here. Hello. Dieter Bone is here. Hello, hello. This is just a throwback three-person Vergecast episode. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it. It's a return. Yeah. You might say we're making it great again. <laughs> you might, but you wouldn't. <laughs> Anyhow, here is the situation. It's obviously the week of the election. There is uh, President-elect Trump is a real thing. Uh, if you were interested in talking tech and politics, Walt and I did a whole hour talking about the policy proposals of President-elect Trump, how they might affect the companies he's talked about. You should go listen to Control Alt and Delete. Because it was a fun episode, and Walt is very smart. He was a DC uh, security reporter for a long time before he became a tech columnist. It's a great episode. He's he's lots to say. All of it's brilliant. All of us are just kind of exhausted uh, by the election, by politics. Uh, so we're going to do. And in full disclosure, there's a lot to say, and I think for the next four years, we're going to talk about politics a lot because there's a lot coming down the line. Uh, in full disclosure, I voted for Clinton. Dieter, I believe you did too. Um, no, wait, both of you. I'm going to, yeah, J'accuse. Damn it. J'accuse. Dieter did not vote because he moved recently. And I didn't get registered in time and I didn't get my absentee ballot in time. And J'accuse. I feel just, it, it's, it's the first time since I was 18 and uh, I feel just absolutely awful about it. Yeah. And then Paul, J'accuse, yeah. was a Trump supporter. Right. But you also chose not to vote because you live in New York State. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm lazy, and I didn't. I, I did. I moved recently to kind of. Yeah, you moved to like a higher <laughs> spiritual existence. I did it, right? <laughs> you like went up a plane. Anyway, Jacques, really both to, of you. Yeah, you are the 46 percent of Americans yeah. who led us to wherever it's, we are now. It's our fault. But I just want everybody to know that there is. Uh, trust me, there is plenty for us to discuss, and I assure you that for the next four years, if you've been listening to the show for any period of time. You know that I'm not shy about politics. You know, Paul isn't, you know, Dieter. Like, there is so much to talk about. And if you want to hear it right now, I encourage you to go listen to me and Walt talking about it, because I just did that for an hour with him yesterday. But there's also some tech news this week. Mm -hmm. Just personally, I could use a break. I think all of us could just use a break. So we're just going to be politics-free for this episode and talk about some tech news. Yeah, late 
night watching the election returns, I was laying out my PlayStation 4 Pro review to publish on the website. There you go. And it did really well. I have to say, that was surprising. People really wanted to read that PlayStation Pro review yesterday. So let's get into it. You reviewed the PlayStation Pro. Yeah, they, uh, I, it's weird because it's so hard to say what's true 4K. And like, like I, basically, you could get a super powerful PC right now. Mm-hmm. And you could take any game that is modern and render it at a relatively high frame rate in 4K. Mm-hmm. And it would look great. But... On a home console, you're typically, if you get the Xbox One S, they have like game upscaling or a lot of TVs do upscaling from 1080p to 4K. And then there's kind of a new middle way, mm-hmm. which is the PlayStation 4 Pro, which has more than twice as powerful as the regular PS4 and takes games that run at 1080p on the PS4 and outputs them at 4K really well. Yeah, with some cheats depending on basically how modern the game is. If it's a pretty old game, it's easier for it to put it out just true 4K. If it's a newer game like uh, Call of Duty: Infinite Warfare, they do this thing called checkerboard rendering, which you could kind of see where like they kind of, I don't know how it works, but it makes the game look super sharp and it uses all the pixels of a 4K TV. And if you have a 4K TV, like a lot of times you're, the, the user interface of your 4K TV yeah. is not even in 4K. It's so rare to find like really sharp, perfectly sharp content. And I felt like I got a lot of that when I played around with, with the few games that are available for the PS4 Pro. That's the other thing is the developers have to update their games. Yeah. And not every game is going to get updated. And maybe your favorite game won't get updated. And so maybe it's not worth it to you. What were the best games that you played? Uh, I think Call of Duty looks great. Yeah. Um, I played Last of Us in 4K HDR, and it was just wonderful. It's like, I'm, I'm, you can obviously see the, these old graphics, but they're so sharp. I will say, I was really excited for VR mm-hmm. being way better. It was not way better. Um, yeah, that's that's like probably the most disappointing thing to me, is that I was expecting it to mean VR would be way better. Uh, but, I don't know, I bought one. Uh, I've never owned a PlayStation in my entire life, and wow. so I'm actually like kind of ridiculously excited to like go through a bunch of ps3 games uh and so download much... and play them that i never got to play you got yeah. crash bandicoot <laughs> you got spyro the dragon <laughs> well i was like a huge ps2 nerd and then i made when the xbox 360 was hd first you know mm-hmm. and then so i made like the platform shift and it was more of a computer and I've just been in the Xbox. Well, Xbox Live for a long time. Yeah, was that way was a big deal. Than the network yeah. play for PS4, uh, PlayStation. I did eventually buy a PS. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I've just been in the Xbox world, and the Xbox One for me just has never done it. Mm-hmm. It's it's too much of a computer for whatever reason, and the TV stuff was a nightmare. I, they just they just canceled a bunch of Xbox TV accessories. You see that? So I'm like, I'm, I'm this is it. Like I don't have a 4K TV. I suddenly want one. And I suddenly want a PS Pro or PS4 Pro. And I know that the VR stuff is not better because of the Pro, but I kind of want that too. I kind of just want to spend a bunch of money in my living room. It's slightly better. Yeah. It's just not drastically better. Yeah. How much heat does it kick out? Because I want to put this thing in my cabinet and seal it up, hide it away. Because it's it's not pretty. I think it's pretty hot. Um, Okay. I don't think that's the best idea. I'm sure it will be fine. And obviously this is a home console and they make it tolerant of those sorts of but basically sony has upped the clock speed sony kind of 
in addition to like doubling the size of the GPU, but it's still kind of the same architecture, they kind of overclocked the 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 CPU and overclocked the RAM, kind of. So it's it's just it's a hotter console. But I, you know, maybe you'll live, maybe you you'll die. <laughs> there was no like warning on the box. Please don't put this in a small space. But I I just feel like it's relatively hot for a console. I mean, I can I can open the doors when I want to play it. That's that's not the the end of the world for there, me. There you go. Yeah, I mean, my rack gets pretty hot, but I feel like my Xbox gets pretty hot. Is it get hotter than the Xbox? I think so because well, it's also kind of talking about the Xbox One. Yeah, the Xbox One is so large. Yeah, it's a There's massive kind of room for that <laughs> heat to move around. <laughs> this has a very concentrated heat right at the in blowing out the back and the surface of the top back of the console is very hot. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's hotter than the Xbox One. I watched the election on my friend's uh, LG OLED TV mm-hmm. and like. You know, I was sad, but I was also like dazzled by how beautiful the TV was. Uh-huh. Now I really want a new 4K uh, OLED. Well, see, an OLED, and then you get HDR. Yeah. You see, watching like thing. HDR YouTube stuff or play play yeah. The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. YouTube HDR. supports uh, 4K HDR now. Yeah. The, this yeah. is the moment. Are we finally at the happy. point? I am finally happy with my Vizio P65, by the way. You're, you're it was unhappy. bad for a while, but I'm happy. Okay. I was unhappy for a while because the controller app on Android was garbage, but they've updated a bunch of stuff, and it seems to hang on to Wi-Fi better now. I will say, and this isn't in the review because this did not happen to me while I was reviewing the console. So if you plug the console into the wrong plug on the 4K Vizio that we have to review stuff um, at, at the office... It said, and then you boot up Last of Us. It's like, hey, this is this doesn't support 4K HDR, huh? So we're gonna play this at 2K HDR. Yeah, because the Vizios have like a dedicated gaming HDMI port. They've right? got a a better plug for it, and then you also have to go into the settings, which is inside of an app on Vizio, right. and to turn on HDR. So I did that, and it worked fine the whole time I was reviewing it. Today, I had it plugged into the correct HDMI port, opened up Last of Us. And I got snow on my TV. Wow. Wow. And it basically kind of crashed the PS4. It started spinning up the fan, getting hotter and hotter. And I just had to like turn it off, turn it back on. Then it worked. And then I like exited Last of Us. And then I opened Last of Us and it snow again. So I don't know what's going on with that. You know what's great is digital connections. Yeah. Like, oh, really, God. we should move everything, hey, even commonly used. <laughs> Even commonly used audio signals and shaked digital having connections with that are DRM on the exact, them. Having ports that are shaped the exact same way work differently. Yeah. Having being able to plug different things yeah. into the same plug shape. Uh, that's the best. There's two <laughs> HDMI ports on my TV that say best, but then there's another HDMI port that has kind of a green border <laughs> around the icon, and that's the HDR one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, there's best and then there's the green circle. Yeah. Oh, also, this Vizio TV. I know I'm not reviewing this 4K yeah. Vizio TV. <laughs> I know, I know. It's one of those ones that comes with like the large phablet. Yeah, this is their whole thing. This is Dieter has the same thing, right? Yeah. It needs to update. So I need like a Google account oh my God. to sign in to update the remote software. But that's like a problem we have here because we share it with a hundred people. If you bought it, you would yeah, just sign in. Yeah, I guess I'd be Google fine account. with signing into my Google account. It still seems weird. So would you would you tell me to this is a moment that I should go all well, in on the 4K especially Live? Especially if you're at all considering getting a PS4. Yeah. You for two ninety nine, you could get a slim. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. You got a small console. Yeah. For $100 more, you can get something that is literally more than twice as powerful as the Slim. 
And for certain games, they'll look way better, especially once you have a 4K TV. They'll also look better on 1080p, the some, some games. So that just seems like the thing to do. It's a hundred dollars more. I, I when they Sony first announced this, I did not think it was. I thought it was going to be like a five hundred dollar console. Yeah. So I, I just think it's a really good value. If you already have a PS4, I think it's harder to decide. Uh, do I upgrade? Do I wait for Scorpio? Do I put this money into like a gaming PC or something like that? But if you don't have a PS4, it seems like an obvious choice to me. Would you do this or a gaming PC? This was kind of the conceit of your review. Well, yeah, I mentioned in that, like, for $400, you can get a really great graphics card. Mm -hmm. I, Paul Miller, recently built a gaming PC. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I realized my favorite game in the world is Overwatch. It's all I care to play. And it's better on PC. It's built for PC and the mouse and keyboard. And so I'm just, I'm becoming a PC gaming person. I also think VR is 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 just so much better on PC. I know that the PlayStation VR is, is in some ways simpler and it might get some more interesting content or better branded content. And it's very comfortable headset. Mm-hmm. But the graphics on the Vive and Oculus are so much better than PlayStation, in my opinion. And that's really important to me. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of a VR moment, too. I was hoping that we could have Addy on to talk about Daydream VR because she reviewed it this week. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she's a little sick, so she couldn't make it. But her read on that was, you know, there's two directions it's going in. Mm-hmm. And Google is getting... The Daydream is a better expression of the mobile-first VR experience. She really likes the headset. Yeah. She thinks it's really comfortable. Uh, and then there's obviously like this high-power thing happening on the PC side. And the Oculus today just lowered its requirements for PCs, right? Yeah. Well, and Daydream comes with a controller that is not as like accurate, obviously, as like the Vive controller or the new uh, the upcoming Oculus Touch controllers. Mm-hmm. But the Oculus Rift right now for the PC ships with an Xbox controller. Yeah. That's like no hand motion. So I think that's pretty cool that the Daydream has some sort of motion tracking. Dieter, how you know, I still haven't put moved my sim from my iPhone 6S to a Pixel. But okay. I, think, I think about it every day. I want you to know. I can't order one yet. I'm going to try to buy a Pixel. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, it is a Vergecast. You really should. So I guess I'll talk about Daydream for a second, although, again, I should disclose that my uh, wife works for Oculus. Um, I've used one for... <laughs> <laughs> I've used it for about 10 minutes, and that, that remote is actually, I think, Addie says there's a little bit of drift. Uh, I think that's probably true. Uh, but they were really smart about like giving rules to game designers about what you should and shouldn't try and do with a thing. So maybe I talked about this in the virtual but like in the Harry Potter game, it just sort of assumes that like the thing is always like tethered to your arm. And so you can't swing it around wildly in every single direction, but it just sort of, it's like you've got it on like a, a pivot. Like imagine your elbow never moves and then the thing moves around. Mm-hmm. And when you limit it in that way, it actually is like pretty accurate and also feels way more immersive than you would expect it to. Because like even that little bit of movement is enough. And the fact that you can use it to just point at things instead of, the gears ridiculous you know yeah temple mounted d-pad tapping the side is, of your it's head. just great yeah um, but the big deal with vr is uh or with daydream is is uh do they have the content and the answer seems to be eh, most a eh, little eh, nobody knows although they do have youtube they have youtube so i was talking to, so ben popper wrote a piece about youtube vr and he uh, I was just talking about it and he, his read on it was it's the future and it's great and it's all this streaming VR and it's awesome and then it clicks over and it's like a giant buffering wheel and then it like plays an ad 
and it's like clockwork orange because you can't look away from the advertising. <laughs> You're just like trapped <laughs> in the world with this ad. And he's like, that part needs to be worked out. But I think the YouTube VR stuff is really, I mean, that is the reason that I would want to get, I mean, I, you know, I can get a Pixel, but I am so ready to switch to the primary thing and have the Pixel be my primary phone and have the iPhone be the secondary phone. And I just, I don't know why. They just can't move that SIM card. And it's all because of iMessage. Yeah. Although Dieter and I have started using WhatsApp. Yeah. Hey, Dieter the other day was like, don't iMessage me. It's going to mess everything up or something. <laughs> yeah. Or don't try to. It'll, oh, something no, will you, explode. You didn't want to do a FaceTime call. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Paul wanted a FaceTime and I, I told him absolutely not. I refuse to sign into FaceTime because once I do, then all of a sudden I stop getting text messages. This reminds Ooh. me, I, I still sometimes, my parents will accidentally text me on my Google voice number that I signed up for like five or six years ago yeah, and didn't like adequately transition away from. Becky hit me on Hangouts today. My wife Becky hit me on Hangouts today and, and it just like my whole world came to a halt because I was like, what is this? What is this stone tablet that has appeared in the corner of my screen? <laughs> Did it like do, do a push notification? No, or? I got nothing. I, I like looked at my personal email just like randomly uh, and I was like, oh, I'm ignoring my wife. Hello. Uh, <laughs> She's like, where have you been? <laughs> and I was like, what are you using? I don't know, man. Google and messaging. Yeah. Figure it out, man. Yeah. Well, enjoy the pixel life. Well, so WhatsApp, I was all excited be, about it because I was like, oh, they have man. a native desktop app. Right. But yeah. it's a lie. It's such a weird thing. So you log into the native desktop app, but it doesn't sync to the cloud. It syncs to your phone. And only one device can sync to your phone at a time. Mm -hmm. So you open your laptop and you click into WhatsApp and it's like, hang on a second. And it finds your phone. And then it asks, like, you're using it on another oh. computer. Do you want to use it on this computer? Yeah, well, it's that's how they very enable, strange. and and it well, goes through your phone encryption. so that they can they have easier end-to-end uh, -end encryption. It's really hard to end-to-end -end encrypt stuff across multiple devices. Apple's doing and it. So who else? Exactly. By the way, the Pixel XL is still out of stock. By the way, I made a joke about it's going to be RCS. I want to be very very clear. That was a joke. Uh, rich communication services, next generation SMS is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, we didn't, I didn't put this in our story about Sprint supporting Google's version of it, because I, uh, but I should have. Basically, the RCS that you can get on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, you know, it's like the replacement for MMS, blah, 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 are like basically incompatible with each other. Yeah. So they, it's, it's just a, it's just a huge flaming pile of incompatible Wasn't crap. Wasn't that an SMS, like early SMS didn't work. It was an early SMS problem, areas. and it was a it was a persistent MMS problem. Right. Uh, I was a uh, you know like a lot of gadget nerds. I was a Sprint fanboy back in the day. Yeah. Um, I'm talking like Trio 650, Trio 700 days here. Yeah, because uh, they had all and, the HTC stuff, and then all the Palm stuff. Yeah, and uh, man, like you just like could not send pictures to people. Just didn't work. Hey, remember except Sprint? for other expect other Sprint people, you could. If you uh, here's a if you are a Vergecast listener and you're on Sprint, I want you to tweet at us and tell us why you're still on Sprint. I just want to know. You know, I want to cheap. I want to meet a Boost Mobile user. We just got a new. There's tons of them. Like a Boost Mobile on the corner. Yeah. Like like right next to my favorite restaurant in my neighborhood. And I was like, man, there's Boost Mobile. I li I'm, I live pretty They're cheap. Pretty blessed life. I've got t my T-Mobile store is literally next to my train stop. Mm -hmm. So you just you go in there all the time. And like hug a hug a standy of John Lesher. Like, why is that bless your life? I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that teenagers go hang out at like mobile phone stores the way that I used to hang out at Radio Shack? I got so excited earlier this week because um, 
they announced some of the casting for the next season of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and it's Paul Reiser is playing the bad guy. Perfect. Just <laughs> perfect. I think I'm mad about you when I think of Paul Reiser. Why oh, is that perfect? No. Reiser. Uh, Alien. Okay, sure. Alien. Yeah, I mean, come on. Sean Astin is playing like the kindly Radio Shack manager. Yeah. And so these kids are going to go like hang out at Radio Shack. That is totally what I did when I was a kid. I wouldn't have hung out at Radio Shack. Did you I just look at connectors? Circuits. That's what no, I did at Radio like, Shack. You, I could, w- like, you could like solder shit at Radio Shack back in the really? day. Like, you could just go and if you were friends with the manager, you'd be like, I want to build this little radio kit. And you'd be like, sure, there's nothing going on. Go sit in the corner and like make wow. some stuff. And I, so I would just like buy the stuff that I wanted and like sit there and hang out with the Radio Shack guy. I, 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 I think what we've learned is that the need for a children's museum in Minnesota is very high. <laughs> I, would, right. I would hang out the the Best Buy at the phone place where they sold phones at Best Buy and try to upsell people. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like solo, <laughs> like rogue upsell. <laughs> Telling them that they needed Bluetooth because I was convinced Bluetooth was going to be the wave of the future. And it still is. <laughs> yeah. It's going to. What's going on with your phone? Have you switched to Bluetooth headphones yet? No. No. This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Masterclass. Aaron Sorkin, who you've heard me talk about on the show in regards to Masterclass, hope you recall Aaron Sorkin teaching a Masterclass on screenwriting. Aaron Sorkin's Masterclass contains 35 lessons, over six hours of video, and interactive assignments. The course helps students learn about the craft of screenwriting and write their own screenplays. Aaron covers his rules of storytelling, dialogue, character development, and what makes a script actually sell, which is the important part because you need that money. Aaron analyzes scenes from The West Wing. He leads a group of students in rewriting the opening of episode 501 of The West Wing, the best episode of The West Wing. When you purchase Masterclass, you own it. You get lifetime access to all the course content, plus access to community events and student groups where you can collaborate and share your ideas with classmates. The classes are on demand, so you can take them whenever you want at your own pace, and you can rewatch as many times as you like on any device for free, assuming you plug it into the correct black diamond HDMI port. No, that's not true. You just watch it anywhere you want for free. You don't need no special plugs. Anyway, for an exclusive clip of Aaron Sorkin discussing how he writes dialogue, go to masterclass.com slash The Verge. That's masterclass.com slash The Verge. So we're back. Dieter's back. I'm back. Hello. All's back. Hey. The advertising is over. We did it. We made it through. So Dieter was just complaining about, well, we had the ad break, which you didn't experience because I was reading the ad to you, but I was in a different temporal zone. Uh-huh. Does it make any sense? I was in two places at once. That's the power of advertising. Think about it. Anyway, Dieter was just complaining about his MacBook. I was trying to remember yeah, I, the plot of Primer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got really confused, um, and then I gave up. So this is a thing that's happening right now. The MacBook is a the MacBook Pro. Vlad wrote a piece yep. this week, which alternately correctly synthesized and channeled what a lot of Mac people are feeling about the Pro, mm. and uh, irritated a whole bunch of other people. Which is, I yeah. think, peak Vlad, mm-hmm. right? Saying mm-hmm. things that everyone thinks that are very polarizing. Peak Vladatorial. So that the MacBook Pro is just a really difficult product to get your head around. It's the same thing I feel about the iPhone. I really like a bunch of new stuff about the iPhone 7. I just don't want to give up the convenience. I, I'm on planes a lot. I don't want to carry Yeah, but the, the difference between the iPhone 7 and the, and the MacBook Pro is the iPhone 7 has a more powerful processor. Uh, uh, so the MacBook Pro is causing a lot of consternation out I there. Just, I think it's really interesting because I was just so fine with the iPhone 7 upgrade. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm willing to make these sacrifices. Yeah. I, I want a new phone. Looks fast. Great camera. Whatevs. I've been fine with it. And then all of a sudden the MacBook Pro comes along and it's like, oh, too many compromises for me. <laughs> I guess. 
I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, we're still waiting on to review the Touch Bar one. That will happen very soon. But I have not seen as many people just just talk about yeah. how disappointed they are with the computer. Apple says, says they're selling them like crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's, I believe them. You know, I, be- I totally believe people them. People desperately need new MacBooks. It's been a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure people are just buying them. But I know, our, one of our video directors yesterday told me that this feels to her like the upgrade from Final Cut 7 to Final Cut Pro. Woof. Everyone in the world used Final Cut 7 and they put out Final Cut Pro 10 mm-hmm. and everyone in the world stopped because they changed things and made it more inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, but that was just her metaphor. It's not, I mean, here's, here's like my overall take on the MacBook Pro. The, a pro machine from Apple has historically meant like the masses can still go get it. They go get the basic spec model. It is more powerful than they need. It is uh, beautiful and light and fast and great. And these new machines match that to a T. But the pro machine has also historically meant that. If you are a quote-unquote edge case, if you are a superpower user, there is a way for you to spec the thing out, go bonkers, and make it a beast. And the combination of like the, I don't know, the corner that Apple is stuck in with regard to what Intel processors processors are available to them that they trust, Yeah. add that to the, you know, the hassle of dongles and USB-C. And that's not even getting into like the problems with USB-C as a spec, uh, which we could get into if you wanted I to. Kind of do. But the combination of those two things uh, is like it just leads to like this fundamental feeling that like the people at those edge cases who used to be served by Apple do not know if they are currently or ever going to be served by Apple, and it's like caused some stress. And there's been so much pent up desire for new MacBooks for so many literally years uh, that. If the ones that came out like don't perfectly match what it is you need, uh, you're like, well, what what do I do now? I, I I don't know. Yeah, and and then Apple not talking about the rest of the Mac lineup at all, which is equally aging, just has yeah. I think a lot of people nervous. And the context for this is Dan just reviewed the Surface Book, the newest one, and it's like kitted out to the hilt, right? It's like the most powerful laptop you can buy, and Apple's thinking well, about that. Well, well it's, it's not, not like it's not like a powerful. like a gaming laptop right it's right in yeah. in its in its in its zone it's the most powerful thing of its kind that you can buy yeah it's unapologetically just like he called it a brute and it really is like brutish it like after especially after using a macbook pro like picking it up at the deck is a little bit thicker mm-hmm. uh it just it feels just huge it just feels like you know when you're playing a video game and like you love you get to the next level and you're really not ready for it yet and then there's a, a big huge monster and it yeah. just destroys you. That's yeah. what that laptop is to me. <laughs> it's you what you skipped ahead a little bit. You need to go back and grind it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I've never I've been talking to a lot of people. I've never heard so many people just be like I'm not upgrading or a very common refrain which I think is fascinating is I'm going to go find the top end spec of the last generation. Hmm. And then that'll, that'll get me out. Like I bought one in 2011 or 12. If I just buy the last one at the top spec, it'll carry me forward for another couple of years. And hopefully, I mean, there's gotta be a, like a mid cycle KB Lake upgrade coming. Yeah. This machine. Yeah. But Apple hardly ever updates these faster than once a year. Yeah, no, they do early and late, 
Right. So, like, this is late 2016. They could do a mid-17. So, almost a year. If they if they do it next year, even late next year, that's still, like, an admission, right? Like, they don't update laptops that often. They had to update the original MacBook because it was, like, severely underpowered. Uh, but if if they if they put out KB Lakes next year, that feels like they're like, yeah, we, meh. Well, Should've. I mean, they can't get them right now. I mean, that's the big... Yeah, that's wrong. They're not available in the quad So court, that's right? not their fault. Yeah. And if they can do yeah. it, then I think that, that'll that bring a lot of people. That'll satiate a lot of people. But, Dieter, I actually want to talk to you about the ports thing. And we talk about ports yeah. on the show an awful lot lately, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Dieter is deep in the USB-C spec hole. <laughs> uh, wait, I've, I've definitely hit my limit. Like... If any, for me to go any further, I definitely need to like go back to Radio Shack and yeah. buy some gear. And I'm gonna, like go get I'm an gonna, I'm gonna degree. download the entire USB IF like spec for USB C and like print it out in a nice book for you. And, like send it to you. <laughs> well, so, so the, the, there's the basic. I think probably one of the basic issues that is probably confusing people is USB C is the name of the plug. Mm-hmm. USB Type C, just like there's Type B, yeah, which is that weird square one for printers, mm-hmm. and Type A which is the regular plug that you always plug in upside down. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is types. No, no. Yeah, you're right. And then there's the micro, there's the mini and the micro on the other, other side of the thing too. Yeah. Um, this is type C that's just the plug. Then there's whatever you decide to send over that plug and people make different choices, (laughs) (laughs) like a lot of different choices. I think that's yeah. really confusing about these two. So these are Thunderbolt three, but even on the MacBook Pro, the different sides are different speeds yeah. of Thunderbolt three. Right. USB three point one. Uh, you could also put USB three point over Type C, but I think that's frowned upon. I frown upon. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I judge you. It's it's not personal. It's just I think you made um, the wrong choice. And then there's a power delivery spec that's up to the I believe the power delivery spec is where things get just haywire Mm -hmm. just crazy bad uh you know last year i had a macbook get fried because i had a bad usb cable with a resistor that like allowed it to pull too much power i still have that cable Dieter gave it to me (laughs) gotta stop using it man um google just put out a like recommended hardware thing for devices that you use USB-C, and they're like they're like yelling at people for like using there's like pins that you know deliver power and other things, but they don't all get used. Just like, you know, the old Apple 30 pin connector had like 27 pins that didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like Qualcomm apparently with quick charge is like just straight up, just using some of the unused pins in a way that like, isn't up to spec. And you know, yeah, hey, wait, Google like, just put out an advisory that was like, don't do that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. They put out an advisory, you know, the, the cables are just flooding in, and the only way to know if they're safe is to go find reviews of them. There's Google employee and like a, a like friend of Google, basically, is in some like you know user group that just started like rapidly testing all of these things. On on the election day, I went and like just dug into deep into Google Plus threads about USB C because that was <laughs> fun for me. And there's this whole like shaggy dog conspiracy theory about how Apple had these old USB-C cables for the MacBook, and then they replaced them with a new version, but kept the same serial number, but it was higher, uh, it was able to deliver higher, you know, amperage, and the old ones were actually not good, and so if you're gonna go buy one, make sure you buy the rectangle box, not the square box, even though they have the same serial number. And there's a voluntary recall, but it's not really a recall, you could just go and like replace your cable if you want, if it doesn't have a serial number on the cable, and like, just on and on and on and on and on. And like, Apple doesn't even fully, I think 100% match 
precisely the USB spec because they had to do some weird stuff with like USB C to Lightning. Like it just goes like crazy, crazy. So here's crazy my counterpoint deep. to all of this, mm-hmm. and I actually need to to write this story, and I was going to do it this week, um, but there was this event that. It was very distracting. I'm not yeah. going to talk about what it was. Right. I got a puppy. Look, it's just a, <laughs> um, no. Apple's changing all these ports. That's great. USB, you know, even in Dan's Surface Book review, he was like, look, it's got all these ports. I wish it had USB C. Mm-hmm. I think all yeah. of us agree that USB C is great. It's particularly great when you can charge your laptop and phone with the same plug. That's all amazing. But USB A is not going anywhere. Right? I just bought a lamp for my house. It has USB plugs in the base, so it's easier to charge your phone. I replaced a power socket in my kitchen with one of those that has the two USB plugs in it. Well, it's everywhere. And, and the, the, the strongest argument is that Apple ships the iPhone with a lightning to USB-A plug. Right. So there's just that I have this in my mind, this argument that everyone in the world has built this infrastructure where the one end of the cable looks like USB-A. And the other end yeah. of the cable looks like a billion other things. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know that it's not even so much data transfer as it is power. We've built an alternate it's, it's, power economy around the it's USB. It's the most plug. successful power delivery standard on the planet. If you want to plug into a, you know, a standard wall plug, America uses different plugs than the UK, than you know, Germany, you know, blah, 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 blah. All around the world, you need to bring these crazy ass adapters that not only adapt the plug, but adapt the the voltage like that's wild but USB C A or I'm sorry USB USB A it's like it's the same damn thing no matter where you go at, and it always works at a very low voltage i mean remember when the ipad came out a lot of plugs were not able to charge right. the ipad in fact right. you'd, you'd have to use like one specific plug on your even on your mac yeah to charge it well, i made this really stupid mistake um this week i plugged in my echo dot i like pulled it out of the drawer where it's been sitting and like mm. plugged it in and it it's powered over micro usb so i just grabbed any adapter i had and like plugged it in and it lit up and it just started crashing over and over again i was like this garbage echo dot i'm on amazon and i was like wait a second and i went and i just plugged i plugged it into a phone plug because mm-hmm. there's no it I'm used to almost every plug I have being the higher being the higher amperage, right? And like I just happened to grab one that wasn't because I, I always make sure to buy those plugs at the higher amperage. So I just like swapped the plug, and now the Echo Dot works. But like that's that's a weird that's that is like a corner case. Most people just use the plug it comes. Well, so but but now you're talking like so you the original spec was something like five volts, and then the iPad was like twenty volts. Mm-hmm. Or watts, man. I wish I was better. But I've literally had. A, I sat down with an electrician and he drew me all these pictures about watts and volts and amps. plumbing and the size of the pipe and all that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Still, yeah. just don't get it. <laughs> but we'll help you. USB C is a lot more. It's a lot more, it and that means more out, things can break. Turns out electricity is is difficult. No, but like the the thing I'm saying about USB A mm-hmm. is. They got away from it on the MacBook because I think Apple looks at that as, a, as data transfer ports. And as data transfer ports, they're really cool, right? Like they are PCI Express. There's four PCI Express ports on this computer. But if you want to- That is cool. You can charge anything that you've bought yeah. at a gift shop in the past 10 years. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting. Like the fact that you can presumably someday buy a- external desktop class GPU and plug it in the MacBook and then drive a display and it's all going to work. That is some far-flung future shit. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. 
there's nothing wrong with like I love it. That whole future is great. The idea that you could get massively powerful RAID arrays and they're going to transfer as fast as the internal drives. Like when I was a kid, like the internal drive versus the external drive, you always wanted the internal drive, but now you can just like do this other thing and the computer's still really portable. That's neat. But USB-A, like, the, you know, it's Edison versus Tesla. Edison wanted, there's like a great, it's like the Atlantic wrote this great piece about it ages ago. It was like Edison wanted AC power delivery and Tesla wanted DC power delivery and like USB is Tesla's revenge. And all that really happened was we put the transformers at the end of all the AC lines and others DC power to all these devices that we use every day. Mm-hmm. It's like there's wild stuff here. And I, I, I'm t- I need to like finish this thought and write this piece. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I just don't think USB-A is ever going anywhere. I think it's the, it's the end of the plug for most people and most things. And the other end of the plug looks like something else. And that is all about power. But I mean, so this is the... P- the argument that I made in the piece I wrote over the weekend. That like, there's I've entire living... McMansions that are getting built with, like, USB-A plugs everywhere. Like, you're not going to tear down the McMansions. Mm. Although, you know, I mean, maybe. But, but, the, but those, those, uh, those but plugs in the McMansion aren't going to quick charge your Samsung. And maybe right. they shouldn't. Samsung's blow up. <laughs> burn your McMansion down. Sorry, Dina. I think that Apple made the right decision on the macbook pros not to put usba ports on it i think it's worth the pain of the transition i think it's worth the pain of dealing with all these dongles i think it's worth the pain of like dealing with bad dongles and bad usb-c wires Uh, i think the only way the only way that amazing neat future you were talking about comes to pass is if we kind of force it a little bit yeah um and what's just weird and hilarious and strange to me is to be in this position saying this thing about a port when I have literally the exact opposite opinion when it comes to the iPhone and the 3.5 millimeter headset jack. Yeah. I mean, that's so weird. But if Apple were like (laughs) flipsies. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's a strange time. It's because you, 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 you carry your laptop in a bag where there's pockets to put the dongles and the future that's getting enabled by USB-C on laptops is so much more exciting than the future that is theoretically I, getting enabled I will, I, by forcing people into the Lightning ecosystem. I will, it's so much better than the Lightning ecosystem future and the wireless future that Apple's talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I will say, I, I'm, when I sit down to my desk at work, I plug in power and I plug in a USB hub. And to be honest, some changes at my job have kind of made me want to have an external monitor too. That would be three plugs. And then my USB plug is a hub mm-hmm. where I have like multiple keyboards and mice and my Ethernet yeah. dongle is all sorts of stuff is plugged into that USB. So it's true. I, I mean, I, I think the know. idea of like, I don't think that, I don't think it's the plugs that really get it for the well, bother. Think about this: we're we're we building about this last week. I don't we're know. building a new office, right? We're going to move to a new office in January, and they're they're specking out the conference rooms now for the new office. And a really important thing in conference rooms is people got to be able to plug their laptops into the big display and the speakers and whatever. What plugs should they put in there? A minute ago, it was very obvious that they should just have HDMI plugs with mm. the HDMI to Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt 2. We have those plugs all over this office. Right. Now they just need to buy a second set of dongles. But not everybody is moving to the new laptop right away. So like, there's a bunch of people with the old laptop. I think they should buy everybody new laptops. <laughs> That's the move. All right, half of you are fired a- and the other yeah. half of you get new laptops. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we run this business. <laughs> This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Videoblox. Videoblox is a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone can afford. 
You get great value with an unlimited download model. There's unlimited daily downloads from a library of 115,000 plus HD video clips, After Effects templates, motion backgrounds, and cinemagraphs. Audioblocks has a 130,000 strong library of music tracks, sound effects, and loops. On average, subscribers pay less than a dollar per download over the course of a year. You get the same content you get on more expensive stock sites at a cheaper price. There's a great variety of time-lapse, aerials, U.S. and international locations, slow motion, nature shots, and more. They are continuously adding new content to the library so it stays fresh. Everything is 100% royalty-free, even if your subscription comes to an end. And it's royalty-free for both personal and commercial projects without additional licensing or fees. So, Videobox is offering Vergecast listeners a year subscription to both Videobox and Audiobox for just $149. That is a $100 discount for Vergecast listeners only. You get that yearly subscription today for only $149 at videoblox.com slash vergecast2016. That is videoblox.com slash, and it's all one word, vergecast2016 for that exclusive offer. Paul, let's start with Paul. Yeah. You every week. Hi, Paul. Every week I do a segment. It's called Plugs for Pros. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, feel a little silly doing it this week, even though I do it every week. But I feel because we talked so much about plugs just now. Yeah. Typically, I'd like to highlight uh, some sort of dock or hub that we featured on Circuit Breaker this week. And this week it's uh, OWC's USB-C dock. Mm-hmm. It's called the Thunderbolt 3 dock. <laughs> so confusing. Five USB 3.1 ports, two of which can charge devices, an SD card reader, analog audio, optical audio, Firewire 800, mini display port, two Thunderbolt 3 USB-C ports, which like one of them you probably need to plug into your laptop and you can charge your laptop. It's got AC power supply. It's got Ethernet. You can do anything. It's also $279, and uh, so, Neelai, when you buy me my new MacBook Pro yeah. that I need to be productive... I'll just fire one quarter of somebody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. We're in a dock. Yeah, but a dock. <laughs> Thanks. It's a lot. I'm saying budgets are simple. It's either you or new laptops and docks for everyone, and we've chosen new laptops and docks. <laughs> That's, um... Oh, my God, Siri just turned on and started yelling at me. What? Laptops and dogs? <laughs> she, she knows. She knows what's talking about. That sounded, that sounded nothing like Hey Siri. No, nothing. Not a word. Wow. wow. Uh, All right. Cool. Uh, so let's talk about Instagram and Snapchat for just one minute. Yeah. Uh, so Snapchat, which is actually yeah. called Snap Inc. now, uh-huh. which I think is a terrible decision. Everyone in the world knows what Snap it, Snapchat is. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that we have like the the bad screens in our elevators at work that like show some syndicated headlines from God knows where. And I was like in the elevator and it was snap to sell spectacles and vending machines. I was like, no one knows. They literally took all of their brand equity and threw it away to be called snap. No, that's fine. It's bad. I think it's bad. Anyway, they put out spectacles are rolling out. These are the glasses with the camera. Yes. Uh, They're in vending machines right now in one city, right? Uh, Yeah. The vending machines look like giant minions. Not vending machines. No? Vending machine. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's currently in Venice Beach, California. Our intrepid uh, entertainment uh, reporter, Brian Bishop, who spent all of October going to like real live horror experiences, (laughs) uh, drove out. And has been standing in line to uh, use the vending machine for like six hours as of this recording. Uh, they're like warning him every 20 minutes that he may not get them. They were supposed to be limited to, but they let let people buy like five. Uh, the eBay market for these things is going 
bonkers right now. And, you know, literally nobody's like reviewed them or <laughs> knows exactly uh, much about them. You need yeah. to like go hunting, which is like, I don't know, it's kind of an amazing way to release a product, right? Like Snapchat is about ephemeral messaging and this is like ephemeral retail. <laughs> yeah, no, they they made a, a product that is truly scarce. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres got like a pre, pre-release look yeah. at it. And that was about it. So you go to whatever spectacles.com or whatever their website is, and they show you a Google map of where you can find a vending machine. I'm, I'm guessing it's like every day there's going to be a new one or maybe in a different location. I hope it's not just one a day. That would be infuriating. Yeah. It'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, like people are just lined up in a parking lot right now waiting to put money into a vending machine to get a camera for your face that's kind of like google glass the video i i didn't know this before now the video that the spectacles record i knew it was a circle but the way you the way you view it depends on how you angle your phone I know. so when you angle your phone you're looking at a different sector of the circle if that makes sense yeah makes sense so they're a simultaneously landscape and portrait video because it's a circle and huh. how you angle your phone depends it shows how you but but the video is so you know it's gonna be great for is snapchat's notoriously the, excellent battery life usage <laughs> <laughs> why don't we kick on the accelerometer and the gyroscope while we use your battery up? the vending machine makes r2d2 noises it also and looks like a minion like, like a minion. they know it they yeah. had to know it looked exactly like a minion right yeah uh anyhow the other thing about spectacles I thought was really interesting is the battery lasts for 16 minutes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I didn't know that. I think while recording. So you okay. can put, you can put 16 minutes. But I don't think they're assuming... I don't know. Wait, That's, 16 minutes of recording space or battery is 16 minutes? Should that. last you for a day of casual use or about 16 minutes? Yeah. 16 minutes. That, like... Well... Reports... That's fine. Like, do you really have more than 16 minutes of things that are interesting in your life every day? The answer is no. But are you going to wear 16 minutes these is the glasses maximum amount of fun long. anybody has ever had in a single day? Here, but here's the, here's the thing. I'm going to the skate park with my butts, and I'm going to do some cool tricks. And I'm going to fail for about 15 and a half minutes, and then I'll finally land the cool trick. Oh, shoot, it's 16 minutes and 30 seconds. We're not recording. I mean, I know the way, I don't know. I just feel like the way you get a lot of good footage, typically with any like head-mounted camera, is you record a lot and then you splice out something good. But I, obviously that's just not the model that they're going with. Yeah. Anyhow, so that's, so that's where they're going. <laughs> I love how Snapchat every day can find a way to make me just feel <laughs> Super old. old. <laughs> that's you don't get it, Paul. You're part of the GoPro generation. <laughs> GoPro not having a good week. So that's where Snapchat's going. Okay. At the same time, Instagram, which just basically put out a, a copy of Snapchat Stories, is like iterating on the story products. Now you can you can put links if you're verified, which is mostly so brands. Which is a revolution for Instagram. Links, they admitted that links that the web exists. Congratulations. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's a real thing with Instagram. They added, you can put boomerangs directly in the thing now. You don't have to open boomerang as a separate app. Um, and you can like at mention people. And so they're, and they rolled it out. You know, their explore tab is I think way more successful than Snapchat's discover page. It's, there's a real moment here when Snapchat, Instagram and Instagram recall is Facebook. Mm -hmm. They're just head to head in this particular zone of 
like how you capture things and distribute them to your friends. And maybe it's just because Snapchat makes me feel old. I think Instagram's like uh, doing a way better job. See, Snapchat makes me feel old. Instagram makes me feel ugly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I'm just not super plugged into either either thing. Yeah. Um, so I feel a little out of my depth here. Uh, a thing that happened was I, you know, there's like a bunch of people I followed on Vine, like basically Vine stars mm-hmm. and then Vine collapsed. And I'm like, follow me on Instagram. And so I started following them on Instagram. And I was like, you guys act way different on Instagram than you do on Vine. It's, it's like a really weird thing. It's like, Basically, I was watching comedy shorts on Vine from these Vine stars. Right. And they were, like, produced and thought out. And on Instagram, it's just, like, raw partying. Just straight really? partying all the time. And I it's I get it. Like, they're different platforms. You tell different stories. But it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to know that one platform, which felt a certain way, incentivized one kind of thing. And Instagram incentivizes a whole other kind of thing. Right. But I just, I, I wonder, like, the, the Snapchat moment. You know, it, the peers are like headed towards an IPO. They're going to be the big company. A lot of people think they're like they're going to be the future of television because all the kids are watching it all the time. I just wonder if their moment, if they don't iterate on the core product as fast as Instagram appears to be wanting to iterate on their, frankly, clone of the core product. Like, what's going to happen there? I I like the the AR stuff that Snapchat just did, where like with the your rear camera, it kind of turned like converts the world into some trippy experience. I feel like there's more that could be done. With, I mean, that that could be kind of the gateway to some, like, an augmented reality that's not just siloed, but somehow a shared social augmented reality. Yeah. Like, like Snapchat could conceivably, within the next couple of years, have a an AR party where everybody can point their phone in the same direction and see the same thing from different angles and it's like some live concert or you know something like that you know it's Snapchat I, I really like that they keep on investing in these weird filters and stuff like that but but yeah maybe that's not as big as putting links in stories well I don't know I, you know Snapchat mm-hmm. thinks it's a camera company that's their conception of their product we are a camera company and so now they have a physical camera i think snapchat should buy gopro speaking of the gopro generation Ooh. gopro's failing their drones are literally falling out of the sky oh. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like the real story. danger of like beta yeah. culture right like we ship most things and they're half complete and they're a little buggy and we gotta wait for that software update but the karma drone flies in the air <laughs> Like it should probably be done <laughs> before you give it to people. Yeah. <laughs> That's my theory. I think it's a probably wild and somewhat stupid theory, but I think I think Snapchat should buy GoPro and then you know do all the all the. What things. if, what if Snapchat made a digital SLR or sorry Snap Inc? Uh, no, no. I don't know. I think the glasses are more interesting than that. I think that. Um, like they're they're interested in trying to like take the digital things that we use and change our like real world behavior, and we've talked about the with the spectacles before that it's so fascinating how we seem to accept the spectacles when we rejected Google Glass, but like everything around that camera on your face is different than Google's camera on your face from the company that makes it, how much you trust them, to the things that it does, to just like the way they look and the way you like generally feel about the company has like generated like a genuine like interest and enthusiasm for the thing that is wildly different than the interest that was generated for glass and more to the point like 
way less likely to have a backlash. By the way, Brian Bishop, as of this recording, like yeah. one person away from getting the spectacles. Whoa. Very exciting. But like, do you? So you don't think there's going to be like a I don't know spectacles or whatever? <laughs> like, like especially because they're making. I, I felt like. Oh, he got. He just got. It. Yeah, it's good. It's um, real good. Like, they're making it scarce, and I felt like. Part of the Google Glass thing was that they were so expensive and rare that there was a bit of a class envy that kind of spilled over into just sort of a hatred of a type of person who would wear Google Glass. Is there going to be some sort of backlash against the type of person, um, not you, Brian Bishop, we love you, but who would wait in line to buy this (laughs) at a vending machine that fell from the sky? I mean, it it doesn't actually, it just looks like it. I know. Because of the balloons. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of those people. Here's my my theory on the, on why glass was somewhat unacceptable in Snapchat spectacles. One, glass looked ridiculous, and all of Google's storytelling about how they'd hired all these fashion people and made like, they, they just looked ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Snapchat, they just look like sunglasses, maybe a little thicker, and people be it's cool. Second of all, the spectacles are like explicitly designed to be a camera for Snapchat. Mm-hmm. which is a neat idea because people love Snapchat. So it's like yep. fashionably cool, single-purpose gadget for a thing you love. Mm-hmm. Google Glass was way too ambitious, right? You're going to talk to it. It's going to show you maps. It's going to... And then most of the time, you had this huge thing on your face that did nothing. Mm-hmm. Just flat out nothing. But looked like you were surveilling everybody. The day I spent wearing Google Glass at the Indy 500, which was an amazing day, mm-hmm. <laughs> ridiculous day, what most people ask me, I swear to God, can you see through clothes? <laughs> Straight up. That's what everyone thought. Like, that's the price. Right. Like, if you're going to pay the price of looking like an absolute nerd in these Google glasses, right. the, the, what you, the value that you need to get for that price is like naked people all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the connection people made in their heads. You can see through clothes with that thing. And it was like- Brian Bishop got him. You got him? Yes. He got can him. Can you see through clothes with that thing? I mean, I literally I walked around a racetrack. There's like race cars flying around me and people were tapping me on the shoulder. Be like, can you see through clothes in that thing? And I was like, no, that would be awful. Mm-hmm. But I but I can look up a map right. of where I am, which right. is the 8500. <laughs> and like, I, it was just too ambitious of a product. Yeah. And it couldn't deliver on all that ambition. Yeah, a lot of problems. And it looked insane. But the, I think spectacles. The, the, the hatred of other people. It's one thing, like, it was inconvenient to have it on your face, but the way people treated and talked about people who, the other people who had it on their face. Because the way Google talked about it, filtered, you know, Google talked about it with so much ambition, and the way that got filtered down to, like, the hype beasts mm-hmm. was like, this is the future of computing. Mm. We will live in an augmented reality where Google will be speaking to me at all times. Mm. And like, this is every, everything should be this. And you're like tapping the side of your face and like, there's a bad Bluetooth connection to your phone, which doesn't have service and nothing. But it was not a great product. I think it was that like hype level. I don't think there's any hype levels. It's just camera and glasses. Everybody understands that. It's literally a vending machine in a parking lot with balloons above it, security guard. <laughs> that looks next like a minion. It. it looks like a minion, and you had to find out about it through surreptitious internet means. Yeah. I feel I feel like they're trying for a hype level. I, I, anyways, I'm fine with it. Whatever. But it's, it's a different fun. kind of hype. It's not Google hype level. I want to try. Uh, Google hype level right. is I like, hope you're this right. is the future. I hope you're right. I just don't want people to, please, people, just don't be mean to people wearing spectacles. Congratulate them. Mug for a photo, then look at their story later. 
<laughs> however, <laughs> however it works. Uh, here, I'll, I'll tell the listener. You want some inside baseball on what happened in the Virtus just now? I think Neli can see through my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was charging, my phone was about to die, so I took my lightning to USB-A, and I plugged it into my laptop, mm-hmm. which quickly drained my laptop battery, and then my laptop died, thus grinding this episode to a halt. But we're back, mm-hmm. just in time to wrap up. So, I'm glad we took a break from politics on this show. Like I said, I, I'm confident many political issues are going to come wafting through this show over the course mm-hmm. of the next four years, but I'm glad we took a break. Um, we're back next week. Hopefully by then we'll have MacBook Pro reviews. It's something that I'm I'm eager to do and talk about in depth. I want to talk about that touch bar in depth. There's all kinds of other stuff happening next week. But we took a little break from the world this week. Um, there's so much other stuff to listen to. Like I said, if you want to get deep into politics, you just me and Walt and Control-Alt-Delete. That's out. It's actually a really fun episode with Walt. There's also a lot of policy stuff going up on the website. There's tons of policy stuff going up on the website. I encourage everybody. I usually don't plug Ezra's show, but Ezra, Klein, Matt Iglesias, and Sarah Cliff have a deep politics show called The Weeds, and they recorded an emergency podcast episode yesterday after the election and got deep into the policy specifics of what happened during the election. So check that out if you're all interested. I'm going to throw in another one. Listen to the On the Media podcast. I know it's not a Vox, a Vox Media product, but they recorded an emergency episode where they yelled at each other about the future of media. It was amazing. You should check it out. Yeah. So there's like there's a lot to listen to. I'm glad that we could provide some respite on the show. But there's lots to listen to there. Chris Plan has What's Tech, which is wonderful. On the Recode side, Lauren Good, notable verger, Lauren Good. Uh, <laughs> it's too embarrassed to ask. Kara Swisher has Recode Decode, and Peter Kafka has Recode Media. I'm sure Recode Media is about to get real interesting, too, as they dive into sort of this post-election season. And we'll be back next week. But real quick, I want to thank Masterclass for sponsoring today's episode. Aaron Sorkin, might have heard of him. Sponsoring Masterclass episode and screenwriting contains 35 lessons over six hours of video, interactive assignments, the analyzed scenes from the West Wing. He leads a group of students in rewriting the opening of episode 501. Class on demand, you take them whatever you want, you're in pace, you can rewatch them as many times as you like on any device for life. So, for an exclusive clip of Aaron discussing how you write dialogue, go to masterclass.com slash The Verge. You gotta watch it, it's so great. Masterclass.com slash The Verge. That's it. We'll be back next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul. We didn't talk about Westworld.